0: Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacey Washington.
1: Welcome to Stacy on the Right on Urban Family Talk and American Family Radio. I'm Miki Addison, in for Stacy. And um, man, I'm telling you, buckle up because this hour, I think, uh, is going to, first of all, I think it's going to go by really quickly. But then I, I also think that the information that you will hear in this hour is going to be so fascinating to you that it will be um, sort of like (laughs) whiplash speed that we're going to be moving through. My guest for this hour is Troy Anderson, and he is a Pulitzer Prize-nominated investigative journalist, best-selling co-author of The Babylon Code, and executive editor at Charisma Magazine. He's also a reporter at the Los Angeles Daily News and regular guest on radio and television as he travels the country talking about what is happening inside our government and how it reveals even that we are headed toward the end of the age. The book that we are going to talk about today is Trumpocalypse. And see right there, you're just like you were zoning out. You were zoning out. And then I said Trumpocalypse and you came back. The End Times President, A Battle Against the Globalist Elite, and the Countdown to Armageddon. Troy, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you?
2: Oh, I'm uh, great. Thank you very much for inviting me on your show.
1: Yeah, no, I'm. I I gotta tell you, I so I started reading the book, and and I found it incredibly fascinating. And one of the things that I walked away with, um, just in and what I was taking in, and and I was telling you this already, that I was really grateful for salvation. When you look at um, the dark forces that are at work in our world, and you look at what is going to come upon the earth, and you look at how all of these things are politically maneuvered but we are not left unaware. I mean, if you are reading the Bible and reading the daily news, if you're reading the Bible and watching what's happening in media, you can see how all of this sets up uh, what the Lord has already foretold us that it would happen. Before we get into some of the deeper issues when we talk about the state of our country, um, let's talk about why you guys, you and Paul McGuire, you've co-written this book together. Why did you guys need to um, talk about sort of the frenzy that exists around the election of Donald Trump.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, you know, so Paul Paul Maguire, he's a, a Fox News, a History Channel commentator. Uh, he has a show on God TV called Apocalypse in the End Times. We, we met about nine years ago. I went to this prophecy conference where several thousand people were speaking. I was a reporter for the LA Daily News and I heard him say the. Uh, the world is undergoing the greatest transformation since the Tower of Babel, becoming I mean, global government, caste society, universal religion, and it struck me that if that was true, it was a gigantic story. And so, I introduced myself to him, and, and he gave me a copy of a, a book he wrote back in like 2009 called "The Day the Dollar Died," and he revealed some of these things. And so, this began this nine-year investigation into this. The first book we wrote was called "The Babylon Codes: An Exposé of Globalism," featured over 100 interviews including one of Billy Graham, and he said that signs of the end of the age are converging for the first time since Jesus made those predictions. And uh, among all these prominent faith leaders and Bible scholars, the overwhelming consensus is that we are in the run-up to these end-time events the Bible predicts. And then uh, then President Trump came on the scene, and he campaigned. His platform was Americanism, not globalism, will be our credo. And then Mm. he shocked, shocked the world he got elected. And my co-author uh, called me and said, Troy, you know, God has given us a spiritual nuclear weapon with the election of Trump. You know, he's he's fighting the globalists. He's fighting the new world order. And, uh, and so we spoke to our agent, and that led to the second book in the series, uh, Trumpocalypse.
1: Yeah, you know, and so many, myself included, as an evangelical Christian, I think that people were praying because we understood what was at stake. And there were divisions within the body of Christ, you know, over how can you vote this way and how can you vote that way and all of these things going on. And And I think that when we realized that Donald Trump was going to be our next president, I think that no matter where you fell as far as being a Christian, I think people looked at that and said, well, hold on a second. God is definitely saying something, you know, and there were different ways that people interpreted that. Some people said that our country was given a reprieve that if we had not, um, if we had elected Hillary Clinton, that surely we were speeding up some of these end time events that we would have for certain experienced greater persecution as Christians living in the United States. How do you describe this reprieve that it appears that we had been given with the election of Donald Trump?
2: You know, uh, one of the interviews I did for Trumpot was was with uh, Jim Garlow. He's a pastor at Skyline Church in San Diego. Love him. Yes. He said, said, uh, I said to one of my friends that we dodged the bullet. He responded back to me, we dodged a nuclear warhead. We were in the throes of complete destruction. If Hillary would have been elected and served eight years, it would have been pastors facing fines or perhaps even imprisonment for spending for the truth in Scripture. We had in Trump's election a miraculous intervention comparable to the crossing of the Red Sea. And so, you know, that, that was the kind of reaction that, you know, I got in, in you know dozens of interviews with, with faith leaders and, and people like that, uh, is that, you know, that there is a widespread belief that God did give us some kind of reprieve, but, you know, why did He, he give us this extra time? And, and mm-hmm. we believe, you know, it this extra time to help fulfill the Great Commission. So we are in this, you know, this period of a, of a reprieve, but there's still, you know, great danger facing in this country and the world. And, and there's powerful forces still try to move us into this, this global system.
1: Let's talk about that a little bit. I don't I don't want to jump around too much, but I think, Troy, when. Sometimes we talk about globalism and even talking about dodging this nuclear warhead. You know, I, I think that there's a fair amount of uh, Americans who don't really understand globalism, who don't really understand the true significance of globalism, why it's abhorrent to the Lord, why we need to be concerned, why when President Trump said America first, why it was so significant. Can you can you shed some light on that for us?
2: Yeah, so there's, uh, you know, the first book that Babylon Code explores this great biblical mystery. You know, if you read Revelation 17 and 18, it talks about Mystery Babylon, and, and Bible scholars have puzzled over this for centuries. What is what is the Apostle John talking about with Mystery Babylon? And so, if you go back to the book of Genesis, you read the Tower of Babel story, essentially you have this guy named Nimrod, who's uh, essentially the, the first leader of a world government, you know, sort of the known world of the time, and he you know, they construct this great tower, and, and that's just, you know sort of, it's, it's the basis of the of the all the secret societies that passed down all this secret knowledge over the over the centuries. You know, first through Egypt and then through you know Greece and the Roman Empire onto Europe and finally to America, and and the Nimrod is considered an archetype of the Antichrist. So you, so you see this back in Genesis, you know God, confounds the languages, people spread around the world, and they formed, eventually form nation states. And this is sort of God's, you know, you know, power structure for the world. There's sort of this check and balances, just like we have checks and balances in, in our government to prevent, you know, one person from seeing uh, dictatorial, you know, control. And then, you know, Babylon plays a central role in the books of the prophets, and it re-emerges in Revelation as Mystery Babylon and Babylon the Great. And essentially, we, we believe that today's globalists are are trying to move us back into this you know, ancient Babylonian system. This this vision of a utopian world government. You know, caste of society. We can get rid of the nuclear weapons. We can, uh, you know, address poverty. We can achieve peace. We can address climate change, and so we see all these these globalists around the world trying to move us in back to this you know utopian kind of world. You know, the you know John Lennon sang of a uh, you know an Imagine sang of you know Imagine there's mm-hmm. no heaven. Imagine there's no nations. It's it's sort of that vision that's that's been a uh, a threads run through human history that we can achieve paradise on earth without God.
1: Mm. And when you really take a step back, by the way, if you're just joining us, you are listening to the voice of Troy Anderson, who has co-authored Trump Apocalypse with Paul McGuire. Uh, We're talking about globalism. And when you take a step back and you try to conceptualize what the desire is, it is always presented as something that is going to be for the common good. It's always presented as something where we are all going to uh, fare well, that we will will exist in this commonwealth where all things are equal. But really, globalists seek to create just a a two-class system where you have those at the very top and then those who are serving them. Why is it that it's so hard for us to understand that?
2: Well, you know, the Bible also talks about a great deception that will occur in the end times. And, you know, the, the elite are literally spending tens of billions of dollars through foundations, through think tanks to control what we think, you know, through the mainstream media. There's, there's a massive sort of a, you know, mind control operation going on. There's all kinds of psyops and intelligence agencies are are involved in. You know, you hear all this talk about the deep state now. This is all sort of interlinked. You've got these, these globalist elites, these you know, super wealthy, you know, billionaires in, in many cases that are tied into secret societies. And you have the deep state, which is sort of this apparatus of the intelligence agencies and powerful behind-the-scenes players. And then, you know, you have all these secret societies. And it's sort of this global power structure that operates in the background. So this this shadow government that largely controls many of the, you know, the, the politicians and, and, and countries of the world. And, and these two books expose all that. There's, there's massive documentation in these books from mainstream sources, over 150 interviews of, you know, very prominent faith leaders, Bible scholars, and even, you know, experts at, at Oxford and, and Princeton. And, Yale. in fact, Oxford has a feature of Humanity Institute. They release uh, annual reports now on existential risk, which is essentially the greatest dangers facing humanity. And they talk about, you know, nuclear war, Climate change, artificial intelligence, run amok, or a global pandemic, but they also cite a global totalitarian government as one of the top threats facing the world. It's from Oxford, so these, mm. these are real these are real threats, and there's very prestigious, you know, highly esteemed people that that recognize it.
1: Troy, where can our listeners get the book? The book is Trump Apocalypse. Where can they pick it up?
2: Yeah, so it, it's the number one bestseller in several different categories. Uh, you know, it's available on Amazon. It's at, it's at Barnes & Noble Bookstores nationwide. It's at Mardell, Parable, Books a Million, uh, it. Uh, so it's pretty much uh, anybody you'd like to buy the book. It's published by Faithworth the Ship. It's the world's uh, third-largest uh, publishing house.
1: Am I remembering correctly in the book that it was was it our was it our our CIA or FBI who uh, coined the phrase conspiracy theory like so that. Because before you had this shame around investigating the government that people said you're always, you know, watching out for black helicopters or buying up tinfoil to make hats. Uh, Americans cared about what was going on in our government. And I'm kind of setting up to unpack a little bit more about this deep state and the things that we see coming forward even now. Um, How have we sort of been uh, dumbed down as Americans and we care less about the state of our government than we ever have?
2: Yeah, and this is sort of goes back to, you know, these billions of dollars are being spent to sort of dumb down our country. You know, a recent poll found that uh, over half of millennials, you know, believe a, a socialist or communist uh, system is better than a capitalist system. You know, and, you know, Nazi Germany was a socialist uh, system. And, mm. you know, if you look back in history, Nazi Germany, communist Russia, communist China, it, it was a gigantic bloodbath. Over like 120 million people were slaughtered uh, as those regimes came online. And, uh, you know, one of the most interesting things that we found in this book is actually a professor in Florida who wrote a book on conspiracy theories. And in this book, uh, you know, from a prestigious university, he says that the CIA created the term conspiracy theory in the 1960s to discourage journalists from investigating government corruption scandals and to sort of infuse the, the term with this negative connotation so that journalists and other people would be, you know, there's sort of a, be a peer pressure against looking into a certain kind of... You know scandals essentially and corruption, and uh, so that was a was a big eye opener that uh, you know the you know powerful you know intelligence agency the deep state you know tries to keep journalists from looking into this. So there's been this you know uh, you know any anybody looked into these kind of things and you know you could be ostracized. You know if you're you know I worked in the mainstream media for for 20 years, and I remember I I read a book by Jim Mars. He's a New York Times bestselling author. For uh, a book called Rule by Secrecy back in, like, 2000 or something, and I reported it to LA Daily News, and I mentioned it to my editor, and she goes, like, shh, shh, let's talk about those kind of things around here. That's crazy talk, you know? Mm. And, uh, but that that told me that there was something, you know, that needed to be digged into to, to really look into this and gather the evidence. Is this stuff really true? And that's what these two books uh, unpack.
1: Man, look, and I'm, I'm going to say I'm grateful for people like yourself and Paul McGuire who take the time to do this and and then to compile it and put it into a readable format for people like myself. Um, we, we are watching and we see what's going on. But I got to admit, I think and I don't think I'm alone in this. There is a fair amount of us that we just kind of hope that people are not as bad. As it looks like they are you know what I mean you're, you're looking at what's going on and you're going that cannot be that interconnected it cannot be that intertwined and what we now know is that it absolutely is that interconnected and in fact the foundation that gets laid is setting up for the media to be completely controlled by dark forces when we get back we're going to talk about that can you trust the media where can we go Troy Anderson our guest we're talking Trump Trumpocalypse Stacy on the right we'll be right back
0: Hi, I'm Will Addison, and we are partnering with the Ministry of Preborn to save babies' lives through ultrasound. Here's how a nurse describes the power of an ultrasound.
2: Last week, just one example of a mom who came in was very abortion-minded, and when she saw the picture of her baby on ultrasound and heard that beating heart, it was a defining moment that just broke her. And she said, I just can't allow this baby to be killed.
3: By letting a mother hear her baby's heartbeat and see her baby in the womb, she will choose life 80% of the time.
2: I cannot tell you how many times a baby's life is saved through ultrasound. It's just an incredible tool.
3: Underwrite a free ultrasound and help save a baby's life. Go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say keyword baby. All gifts are tax deductible. Your love can save a life.
0: Hi, I'm Prof. Loritz with a Legacy Moment. Sometimes I get so immersed in the challenges and the secondary stuff of life that I wonder, how much of a difference am I really making? Then I'll get a letter like I got the other day from someone who heard me speak at a conference more than 10 years ago. He told me that when I spoke he gave his life to Christ and recommitted himself to his marriage. Today he has a wonderful family and he's in the ministry. Boy, did that ever put wind in my sails. We were created for a purpose, to express meaning in and through our lives, and we all need to be encouraged. I love Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 7. In fact, sometimes I sign my letters with this verse, especially if I'm writing someone I sense might need a little word of encouragement. Listen to these words. But you be strong and do not lose courage, for there is reward in your work. Aren't those sweet words? I want to make three observations from this wonderful, encouraging verse. Number one, don't focus on the negative. That's found in the contrasting phrase, but you. Just prior to that, there's a description of some pretty bad circumstances, and yet God says, but you. I don't know what you're faced with today, but don't focus on the negative. Focus on the possibilities of what God can do. Number two, decide to be strong. He says, but you be strong. It's a command. Make the decision, I'm going to choose strength. And then thirdly, focus on the reward. What you do, if it's for Christ, does not go unnoticed. You will be rewarded. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. Take courage, and if someone has been a blessing to you, tell them about it too. They could use the encouragement. Thanks, Crawford, and thank
3: you for listening to today's Legacy Moment, a production of Moody Radio, of Moody Global Ministries.
0: Welcome back to Spacey on the Right. And now they're faced with a very real prospect of Donald Trump becoming the leader of the party, and it absolutely drives them crazy. Uh, they just cannot Why? imagine sharing. Well, because he's an outsider, he's not them, he's not part of the club, he's uncontrollable. Uh, you know, he hasn't been through the initiation rites. He didn't belong to the secret society. Um, and I think that they, they don't see him. They have no idea how to relate to him.
1: Mm, welcome back, Stacy on the right. I'm Miki in for Stacy. Uh, You're listening to Urban Family Talk and American Family Radio, and we appreciate it. We're spending some time with Troy Anderson, who has co-written a book with Paul McGuire, Trumpocalypse, The End Times President, A Battle Against the Globalist Elite, and The Countdown to Armageddon. That clip, Newt Gingrich on Fox News, I remember it because I saw it in real time. And the following day, I said to my husband, we need to find that clip. We need to play it this was ahead of the election and this was Newt Gingrich talking about why it seemed that Donald Trump was so hated (laughs) even by members of his own political party. And when, when Newt Gingrich said, well, he's not a part of the secret societies. I had a moment where I thought, hold on. Did he mean to expose that? Was he speaking facetiously? Was he speaking factually? And what we know, Troy, is that, he was speaking factually and everything that this president has done shows that he is not a part of the secret societies. Can we talk about the dark forces that are working behind the scenes in our government and in our media?
2: Yeah, you know, so, so, this, so this quote from Newt Gingrich, it, it was a real eye-opener for a lot of people. This is the first time a major figure came out and said that the secret societies play a, a gigantic role in our, our political system and that President Trump's not a member of the Secret Society, most likely he was referring to Yale University's Skull and Bones. We've had, you know, many presidents, directors of the CIA, intelligence agencies, many members of major corporations, uh, all came out of uh, Skull and Bones. We actually have some chapters in the book that that delve into this uh, Secret Society, and it appears that it has roots back to the old, very Illuminati that existed in the late 1700s in Germany. And there's also there's the Bilderberg Group. You know you'll hear news about this. Uh, you know the, the, the world's elite will meet at you know exotic locations of high security, massive secrecy surrounding this each year. And uh, you know the, the speculation is that the discussions they have at these meetings, the Bilderberg meetings, is being implemented as policies around the world. And this is one of the, the nodes of power that the the elite um, uh, move in. And, you know of course you've got you know Bohemian Grove in Northern California. We've had many presidents of the go there. They're involved in a mock a cult uh, ceremony there called the cremation of care ceremony. Alex Jones actually went in a few years back and, and videotaped the whole thing. And but, you know, there's like stories in the Washington Post about different presidents that have gone to this and participated in all this. You know, and of course you got you know Freemasonry, which is a I think they have millions of members worldwide. And there's uh, there's we put some things in the book about. You know, there's there's speculation that there could be like an, a, an upper elite of Freemasons, they're, they're a humanized Freemasons, they're sort of the upper echelon of this group that have a lot of control and power in our political system. So, so when Newt Dean talks about this secret society, that's what he's talking about. And many many of our presidents and members of secret societies. And yet, you know, Donald Trump, as far as we can tell, is not a member of one of these you know elite organizations.
1: I want to go back to something that you mentioned, and this may kind of um, veer us off just a hair, but it'll it'll bring us back. There was something that grabbed my attention um, just about a month ago, uh, maybe maybe a little bit over a month, um, that the Vatican Secretary of State, for the first time ever, a religious leader or religious associated affiliated leader, attended this year's Bilderberg meeting. Did that grab your attention, Troy, at all?
2: You know, we've had Pope that have come out and called for a world government authority in the last, uh, over the last decade. And, uh, you know, this is one of the things we talk about in the book is there's this, you know, if they do, if the elite at some point do move us into some kind of global system, you know, the idea is that they'll probably maintain the resemblance of nation states. You know, because people want to be Americans, they want to be French, they want to be Germans. Uh, but they're, what they're doing is they're doing trade treaties, changes in international laws. Bodies like the United Nations and similar ones, IMF, World Bank, these kind of things—they're they're building this, this structure so that at some point they want to, you know, create a world government authority that has you know, power over the world's militaries and, you know, you know—and and they'll probably, you know, sell this as like, you know, we're going to, you know, eliminate nuclear weapons, we're going to address climate change, we're going to address poverty. You know, they already have global citizen festivals in, in New York and. Germany, around the world now. They invite all kinds of celebrities and world leaders. And people, you know, have you know, slept, you know, musicians have played these things. And, uh, you know, they're trying to get us to sort of think of ourselves as global citizens. The uh, United Nations largely controls our educational system through Common Core and, and similar programs. And the kids are being sort of indoctrinated into, into thinking of themselves as global citizens. So they're, they're, they're setting a legal structure, and they're, you know, influencing the children to sort of go along with this for... You know, and, and the Bible tells us that at some point this this system will come online.
1: You know, when you when you look at um, how much our perception of uh, American exceptionalism has changed over the years, and and you look at how much we almost have willingly gone toward diminishing our role on the world stage. Like we, we almost don't want to see ourselves as exceptional. We don't want to acknowledge that what God did in the formation of this nation was unique and that, that it was exceptional and still is exceptional. What role does the media play in all of this? And what are some of the dark forces at work behind the media?
2: You know, I, I, I was a member of the mainstream media for 20 years. I was reported at the LA Daily News and other newspapers for many years, and uh, I was an investigative reporter. But you know, over time, because you know, uh, you know, much of the media shifted to, to online, the, the newspapers around the country begin laying off, you know, literally half or more of the workforce, and so maybe the investigative reporters were laid off. And so there's there's a lot less uh, real, you know, in-depth reporting going on in newspapers. Of course, you know, media has always been very you know, liberal. Pretty, pretty Progressive, but in the last decade, we've seen this, you know, just sort of this massive shift. It was just like completely over the top, you know, liberal and progressive now. And now we see this all out attack against President Trump. And, you know, surveys show over 90% of the coverage in many areas is completely negative towards him. So, I mean, I've come to the conclusion that the, the mainstream media is now almost, you know, essentially in the pockets of the global elite. They are carrying out an agenda of the elite and, uh, and you know, attempting to you know, indoctrinate and, and, you know, convince the public that, uh, you know, Trump's, you know, this terrible president and, and, you know, all these horrible things. And, you know, of course, he says some things that are controversial, uh, but, you know, many of the things that he says, you know, via Twitter and things like that are actually sort of part of the negotiation, because we've, we've seen all these positive things happen. I mean, here we had the, the leader of North Korea threatening this nuclear war over last year, and, uh, you know, President Trump made some very strong statements. And now, you know, he's willing to come to the negotiating table. You know, only time will tell. North Korea will actually be nuclearized. But, you know, President Trump is, is known for, he you know, what's the book, The Art of the Deal. So if you, if you look at what he's doing, a lot of it is, is a negotiation. It's a negotiating tactics to try to, you know, achieve you know, good for America. And, uh, uh, you know, but the media is just, you know, all out of attack against them to, uh, you know, defeat him and topple him perhaps.
1: We're talking to Troy Anderson, who has co-authored Trumpocalypse with Paul McGuire. The book is uh, available at Amazon and anywhere you would go to get your book, um, your books. Hopefully it's not just one that you read, um, but any place that you go to get your books, you can find Trumpocalypse. Troy, let me ask you this. Um, Who do you trust for unbiased news? Like where do you go? Who who are your sources for news and information? Oh, you know, I
2: think I like for uh, Newsmax and Christianity Today and, uh, you know, different, uh, you know, especially conservative and, and Christian uh, media outlets I trust. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll check the news on Drudge Report. Drudge does a pretty good job of sort of highlighting the, the big news. So so mainly you're, you're conservative and, and Christian uh, media is what I primarily read now
0: hmm.
1: Well, you know, I know that our listeners will appreciate that because I one of the reasons that we continue to do our radio programs all across this network is because we do feel like there's an incredible amount of fake news out there. We feel like there's an incredible amount of wickedness out there. And, and just because someone says and here's the truth. What we are now realizing is that um nine times out of ten when you're talking about mainstream media, it's not the truth. There is an incredible caricature that is painted of this president and again, and I think you you hit on this, and i I'll just reiterate what you what you're suggesting here that there are some things that are self inflicted when you look at what comes out of the White House, there are some times that you go if we if we stick to um The playbook. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? If we stick to make America great again, there are some wounds that we do not have to uh, self-inflict. But other than that, a lot of the hysteria that has been drummed up, that has been hyped up uh, toward this president is largely driven by the media elites who hate him and have never been able to get over the fact. In fact, I would say they refuse to get over the fact that Hillary Clinton lost this election.
2: You know, I think this this, you know, this all-out attack by the media against, the, against President Trump, at, at its roots, you know, it, this is spiritual in nature. You know, the Bible tells us about this great spiritual battle going on in, in you know, behind the scenes, principalities and powers. And, and, that's, and this is the battle that's waged for all of human history. And so in the background, there's very powerful, you know, essentially demonic forces. That uh, you know largely have control of our world. You know the the Bible talks about the devil sort of having temporary control of the world and this, this world system, and uh, so this this is what's really going on in the background. And so that, that's also why you see this big explosion in occult activity in recent years. You know we talk about in the book about you know you've got these witches coming out casting you know buying Trump spells. You've got the uh, uh, after school Satan clubs now that are being introduced around the country. You've got the it's at the Satanic Temples, you know, bought a old building in Salem, Massachusetts, and their you know, their membership is growing. You've got, uh, you know, this, the Temple of Baal, which is a uh, demonic character in the Bible. It actually, you know, Harvard University worked with this uh, institute to erect the old Temple of Baal in New York City, and they, they erected it in uh, at the World Government Summit in Dubai here a couple of years ago attended by world leaders you know, CERN had this uh, like this big massive cult ceremony here a couple of years ago in the in the Swiss Alps when they're unveiling their, you know, work that they're doing there. So there's a, there's a lot and then during the presidential election you had the what the, the spirit cooking there. Remember that remember that? Right. Like yeah surrounding Hillary Clinton. So and you just watched the Grammy Awards or you watched the Super Bowl halftime show. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of years ago they sang the song Nimrod at the Super Bowl. You know, and all this occult imagery. So it's you know the music industry, Hollywood. It's back of the dollar bill. There's all these occult stuff. So our our culture is just you know saturated in this. You know this and these are the, the sort of the signs of the elite. They're they're members of these secret societies. It's part of the new age movement. And you know, like uh, bonding Group came off a poll recently. that found that something like something like 15% of of Christians that actually attend church uh, really have a biblical worldview. And there's like fifty percent sort of had this new spirituality kind of worldview, sort of a new age kind of thing, where all paths lead to heaven. So, so this occult influence is very widespread throughout our culture, and, and most people unaware of how you know how, how widespread it is.
1: No, you're absolutely right. And, I, and I, if we could stay here just for a second, one of the things that I found fascinating in the book, and and I, I hope that what I'm about to communicate makes sense. I really found it fascinating that there was not a stone left unturned by you guys as far as observing these occult practices in our culture and for example just to get right to the point I think what sometimes gets overlooked are the the kind of sub cultural phenomenon that that happen um, across this country so like for example Beyonce is a big deal she's a big deal to some people right but what we don't realize is that she and her husband and people like Lady Gaga and all these other people I mean they are heavily steeped in occultism and you have a fair amount of Christians who are consuming their music they are watching them with the Baphomet symbols and watching them with the pyramid signs and they've converted convince themselves that, oh, that's not real, that's not true. But these dark forces are very real. This stuff is very true. The Bible tells us that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Uh, how can we stay on guard with regard to this these issues, Troy? Yeah,
2: I, mean, I think it's very important for people to wake up just how dangerous all this kind of stuff is you know, the, the, all these occult symbols you see, and, you know, you mentioned the pyramid sign, and the Baphomet, and all this sort of occult imagery. There's, you know, there, there's, there's reasons why this is all used. This is used to, you know, it's it's all part of this mystery Babylon system, this, this rise of, you know, occult and luciferian influence throughout our society. And it, at its root, you know, it, it's designed to unleash sort of these dark spiritual forces into our world. So the more we accept this, you know, the, the the quicker we're going to head down this, this dark path. So, you know, we believe God raised up President Trump, to, you know, to fight these forces, to fight this, this world order. The you know, Bible tells about, you know, that God deposes kings and He raises up others. So in that sense, mm-hmm. you know, all, all leaders are you know, either deposed by or raised up by God. But the question is, do they follow, you know, God's purpose for their, their lives and their their term in office, and and so far, you know, President Trump's not perfect, but he's, he's done a lot of things to sort of help restore Judeo-Christian values. Uh, you know, to restore religious freedom. You know, pastors and, and ministers feel much more free to, to to speak now without fear of reprisal. And um, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, just all kinds of steps he's taken to, you know, to return us to the our, our roots as a you know a Judeo-Christian nation.
1: Why do you think? For all of the reasons that you just laid out, I think it would be um, sort of a no brainer for Christians to say, you know what, we can reject um, certain things that we might learn about this president that would call. Uh, his character into question on on those issues, but when we look at the full body of his work and we look at what he has done, unlike any other president before him, actually, um, to to show sort of a I don't know to show favor towards Christians, why do you think there remains Troy this great divide between Christians? I mean, for example, the Never Trumpers and those who are saying that you know they see you now as racist and and all of and bigoted because you voted for this president. Why is that? You know what hold that thought <laughs> because i don't want to cut this answer off i really want to get a genuine response here because i myself you, you know have been on the receiving end of uh loving immorality because i voted for this president and so i really want to get your response when we come back why the great divide even among christians who should be able to discern and see stacy on the right we'll be right back with troy anderson trump apocalypse that's the discussion stay close
3: I'm Chad Pergram with the Speaker's Lobby. Congressional Democrats are united in their opposition to President Trump, and that could be a problem. Midterm elections are usually a referendum on the president, but in their effort to focus attention on President Trump, Democrats could make the midterms about their own divisions. President Trump's comments about Russia and election meddling sparked an inferno on the left. To progressives, the remarks epitomized what they see as the president's deficiencies for the office. But Democrats are struggling about how to approach the president. Top Democratic leaders in Washington want to be tough, but also serve as a voice of reason. They fear alienating, swing voters. Meantime, liberals are prepared to go maxine waters on the president. This is the Ocasio-Cortez factor, as in New York Democrat Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She wants to abolish ICE and give health care to everyone. The Republican Party has long struggled with fractious internal politics and now Democrats wrestle with the same phenomenon. Democrats are united in their opposition to President Trump, but that's precisely what could tear them apart. With the Speaker's Lobby, Chad Pergram, Fox News.
0: Hi, I'm Will Addison. And I'm Miki. From airing the Addisons on Urban Family Talk.
1: We'd like to invite you to the Marriage, Family, and Life Conference coming up August 17th
0: and 18th. The list of speakers is amazing. We have Ryan Baumberger of the Radiance Foundation, Dr. Clarence Shuler of Building Lasting Relationships, Abraham Hamilton III, Pastor Bert Harper and his wife Jan, Stacy Washington, Lonnie Poindexter, Pastor Dexter Sanders, and we'll be there too.
1: There's a direct attack by the enemy on marriage and family, and babies in the womb are treated like political footballs instead of life. We want to encourage and equip the body of Christ to fight for the restoration of the family. If we can get our families on track, a lot of society's problems could be solved. The Marriage, Family, and Life Conference is from Urban Family Communications, a division of the American Family Association. You can learn more and register at urbanfamilytalk.com.
0: My name's Tim. I'm 17. All the male role models in my life did drugs, so it's no wonder I ended up just like them. I was down to 90 pounds when I came to Team Challenge, but now I'm healthy and drug-free. If you know an adult or teenager who's struggling with a chemical addiction, Teen Challenge can help. Call us today at 417-581-2181 or reach us online at TeenChallengeUSA.com. This is Urban Family Talk. Victory McIntosh.
1: Early will I seek thee, O Lord. Man, it's something about when you start your morning off right with Abba Father. I'm telling you, will the enemy come? Of course, he's going to do his job, but it should motivate you even more. Man, i got to stay connected to the mind of Jesus. How do you do that? By getting into the Word of God. you got to do it.
0: Tune in to Word on the Street with Victory McIntosh, Saturdays at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Central on Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to Spacey on the right. If you vote for Trump, then you, the voter, you, not Donald Trump, are standing at the border like Nazis going, you here, you here. And I think we now have to flip it. And it's a given the evilness of Donald Trump. Yeah. If Republicans weren't so racist, they could encourage black people who are morally conservative to be on their yeah. side. Those people who are supporting what he's doing here are racist, period.
1: These policies that this administration is putting forth are intentionally cruel. They are racist, and it is, a, it is our job as citizens to speak out against that.
0: Anybody who votes for and supports a racist is a racist. You are culpable white America. I'm sorry. 25% of the country, whether it's 25, 20, 30% are hardcore racist. They do not want to see brown people coming into America. That's, that's just what's going on here. Generations of people, older people who were born and bred and marinated in it, in that prejudice and racism. And they just have to die.
1: Mm, but, but we folks are the hateful ones. That's Oprah. But we, we are the hateful ones. So so basically, people who, as a Christian, we would say, if you are racist, if you are given to show impartiality, we would say you need Jesus. We would say that you need to be set free, not that you need to die. But liberals say you need to die and somehow uh, maintain their distinction as the loving ones. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right. I'm Miki in for Stacy. Our guest this hour is Troy Anderson, and we are talking about the book that he has co-authored with Paul McGuire. It's Trump Trumpocalypse, The End Times President, A Battle Against the Globalist Elite and the Countdown to Armageddon. Before we went to the break, I was trying to understand the visceral hatred for this president and even how— This hatred is directed at those who voted for this president. I don't care how many times a Christian will come out and say, listen, I don't agree with everything this president has done in his past or will do in the future. I'm not saying that my voting for him was a blank check that agrees with everything that he's ever done. But I did see what was at stake. I did see what we needed to do as a country and we responded. But somehow... The divide remains among Christians. Troy, why is that?
2: You know, essentially, this is a, a gigantic uh, campaign strategy that, that the Democrats have recently employed to, you know, try to paint the Republican Party as this racist party. Everybody really who voted for Trump, Trump is uh, racist. And, and, you know, behind behind that, this, this is a gigantic psyop essentially going on here, you know, through, through the media to try to convince the public that. President Trump is racist, Republicans are racist, and, and this kind of thing. And the reality is, the Republican Party, you know, dates back to Abraham Lincoln, who, uh, you know, very, uh, you know, very his presidency, they won the Civil War, he freed African-American slaves, one of, you know, yes. and, and the scourge of, of slavery. And so, you know, Republicans have not done a good job of, of you know, telling the, the true history of the Republican Party and, and the role that, you know, Christians and Republicans have played over the decades. It, you know, the civil rights movement and abolition of slavery and, and things of that nature. And so the Democratic Party has, has done this sort of revisionist history. The, the Democratic Party, if you read uh, Dinesh D'Souza's recent books, you can got some films on this, you know, they, they trace themselves back to the Ku Klux Klan and, and yep. the South and, and you know, They're Jim the true Crow racist that existed in the country. You know, so there's, there's been this like, you know, psychological flip that the, the Democrats have tried to do. And in a sense, you know, a lot of the Democratic platform is to essentially provide welfare and all kinds of government handouts to minority communities. And, and a lot of these, you know, the Democrats say they want to help the poor, they want to help minorities, but in reality, they've perpetuated this, this poverty and, and violence we see in the inner cities and all kinds of problems we have with, you know, inner cities and such. And, and it's all designed to keep the elite in the Democratic Party, who are mostly white people, in power. So you know, mm-hmm.
0: this,
2: I, I would suggest you go watch Dinesh D'Souza's new film. I think it's called Death in America. It's come out in a month, or read some of his recent books, where he like really explores and exposes this this whole sort of psyop, you know, psychological operation to, you know, divide the country. So this this is part of the elites' uh, strategy to, you know, divide Christians and divide the whole country, and it's uh, you know it, it's evil essentially.
1: You know, I really see, and and I talk a lot on the radio program that I co host with my husband. We talk about the church as the final frontier that the church is sort of the last building to fall when you talk about um, this new world order and and you talk about uh, wrong being right and right being wrong, that the church and, and I mean those who maintain fidelity to the scriptures, we are the ones that are going to be marginalized. We are the ones that have to be silenced for this plan to be carried out. As you look at the church today, Troy, what indication do you see that there is a fair amount of success? I mean, that the wicked has really infiltrated the church, and genuine Christians, I would say, are being marginalized even among the body of Christ.
2: You know, sadly, uh, our, our publishers—you know, the Babylon Code came out because it's, it's an expose of globalism and, it, and it explored you know, it features Billy Graham, Tim Hayes. You know, Hal Lindsey, Greg, Greg Laurie, Joel Rosenberg, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, all kinds of you know major, prominent faith leaders that we interviewed for the book. Our our publisher sent out like several thousand copies of the book free to pastors nationwide, and, and sent them a letter. You know, it, you know, said, said that we you know would be you know greatly honored to speak at churches, and we did not get one response to all these free books and letters we sent out for ministers nationwide. And there's a very small percentage of churches that still even teach on Bible prophecy because, you know, there's been this, you know, sort of unspoken rule sent out to all the ministers nationwide that, you know, Bible prophecy is controversial and you don't want to upset anybody in the pews, you know, it might uh, reduce donations, people might leave your church, Mm. and so a lot of pastors have bought into this, you know, sadly, but, you know, a a third of the Bible is about prophetic in nature, it's about the future, you know, I mean, even Rick Warren comes out and says that all the prophecies of Jesus' first coming came true. So, you know, logic dictates that all the prophecies of His second coming are going to come true. But the Church is largely silent about this. And, um, you know, so sadly, you know, the, you know, the cult elite have done a great job of infiltrating our churches and, uh, uh, our, you know, our seminaries and the Christian universities. Yes. Uh, it, it's, it's not complete, but, you know, there's been a concerted effort over the decades to do this. We talked about that a little bit in this the second book, Trumpoculus, And we're going to delve much more into that in, in the third book in the series. But yeah, there, there's been a, a big campaign that's going on for quite some time to, to to weaken the church, because the devil knows that if he can weaken the church, then you know he can you know you know eventually you know I mean the Bible talks about the rise of the Antichrist and the false prophet during the the tribulation period, and that's 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 you know at some point that's going to happen.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I really appreciate the way we started out, uh, Troy, when we were talking about this reprieve that we've been given in this country, this opportunity that we have. And you said something I think that often gets lost in the discussion that the reprieve is not so that we can just be fat and happy in America a little bit longer. But the reprieve is really given to us that we might advance the gospel, the cause of Jesus Christ, the reason that our Savior was sacrificed so that those who would put their hope and their faith and their trust in him, that they might have eternal life. Life and I think so often we miss that. Even I see among evangelicals, it's sort of the, there's the quick celebration of the win without the understanding for the the reason for the win. Uh, could you encourage us just a little bit um, to kind of keep holding the line and contending for the faith, even as we highlight the conclusion of Trump apocalypse? What is sort of the Christians' manifesto? What is our call to arms? You, you
2: know so. Uh, you know, in, in Trampocalypse, um, you know, we, we talk about, you know, why why is God giving us the, this reprieve, this, this period of time? And we believe He's given us extra time to fulfill the Great Commission. Um, my wife and I went to a, a Faith Comes by Hearing event a couple of weeks ago at the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., and we found out there that this this, organ, this ministry, they're making the, the Bible available in audio forms, because much of the world either is... Functionally illiterate, or they, or they don't like to read. So mm. um, and, and it could be anywhere you know, from 50 to 70 percent of the world prefers to hear the Bible on in an audio format. So this ministry is working with um, the New the Bible, the American Bible Society, Y. Clift, all kinds of different ministries to make the Bible available in both print form and audio form uh, by 2033, and so that the goals of the Great Commission. So you know, God is uh, we believe this reprieve is. God's given us extra time to fulfill Jesus' last instruction to us, which is to take the Gospel to all the world. You know, when, when the pilgrims came to America in the 1600s, they actually dedicated America to God in the Mayflower Compact and for the advancement of the Christian faith. And in a way, it was sort of like the same kind of dedication that the, the ancient Israelites did in, in Deuteronomy. Uh, they dedicated Israel to, to God. And, uh, and so we believe God has you know, given us... a. a a last chance to, to fulfill the Great Commission. And then on, on top of that, uh, a friend of ours, uh, uh, Kevin Jessup, he's founder of the Global Strategic Alliance. He's working with White House, White House officials. In fact, he may be meeting with President Trump uh, this week or next week. He's uh, spearheading a global and national day of repentance at the United Nations. And he's got the, the buy in from, from major faith leaders, uh, from some, you know, Ben Carson and other White House officials. Uh, that there's going to be a meeting of President Trump here pretty soon. And the idea is that uh, all these faith leaders, uh, political leaders, would gather at the United Nations and repent of the sins of, of their nations and of our nation, the corporate sins. And, uh, and this would be, you know, live-streamed and broadcast around the world. Um, while while we've had many national days of prayer, we haven't had a national day of repentance since Woodrow Wilson was president in World War I, and before that, when Abraham Lincoln was president uh, during the Civil War. In fact, uh, it was called a National Day of uh, Prayer, Fasting, and Humiliation, and President mm-hmm. Lincoln uh, credited that day with the victory of the Civil War and freeing the, free the African American slaves, and it also George Washington called for a day like this, and he credited that with the birth of America and winning the Revolutionary War. So throughout the Bible, this is the, the solution, essentially, that God lays out, you know, it, it, you know Jesus said you know, repent, the kingdom of God is, is, is near. I mean, his whole message is about repentance. John the Baptist, you know, the whole message throughout the Bible is God's calling us back to him, you know, calling us to repent of our sins. And so uh, we, we believe that uh, this global national repentance is very important and and uh, it's part of God's plan.
1: You know, when you describe it that way, Troy, it almost sounds like every Christian in America becomes a Jonah of sorts, sort of walking through and saying, repent, we have sinned against God, repent. Um, My question is, as you look at the sins of our country and you look back on that, um, maybe to the person who's listening now who wants to, um, as an individual, posture their heart before the Lord in repentance, what are some of the things that by way of the Holy Spirit that you would say, you know what, these are the things that we need to repent of. What are some of those things that come first to mind?
2: Well, you know, for anybody listening to this show, uh, you know, if, if this is like some, one of the first times you've heard, uh, you know, so, some of these kind of things, or if you've never, uh become a Christian, I would encourage you to, to pray to the Lord. But, you know, the Bible tells us uh, that God, uh, if we pray to Him, that He'll forgive us of for our sins and just invite Him into your heart. That's how you become a, a Christian. If if you're a um, a minister or, or a pastor and, and uh, this has impacted you, I, I would encourage you to be bold, to be, to be courageous. You know... You know, the Bible tells us to expose the works of darkness. You yes. know, it tells us to be bold and courageous. If you look at all the figures throughout the Bible, all of them, were, most of them, were faced with insurmountable odds against them, and they had to be courageous. And, you know, this truly is the, you know, the, the culmination of history, which, you know, from all indications and from all the experts we interviewed, it is, I mean, Billy Graham said, you know, signs of the end of the age are converging for the first time since Jesus uh, made those predictions. And, mm-hmm. and he and he did. He compared America to, to ancient Nineveh. He said, "Would God send the prophet Jonah to Nineveh to warn uh, the king and the people of, of judgment? That the king and the people repented, and you know, Nineveh was spared." And Billy Graham said he believed the same thing could happen again today. Uh, this time in, in America.
1: You know, I I just I I wonder. Even I know we're we're running out of time here. But my my question is the state of this country and. Um, where we are in 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 the last days and in times, and you know i've I've heard teachings and sermons taught about how the United States of america is is not mentioned um what are your thoughts on that Why doesn't the bible talk about america in the in the last days
2: you know we we explore that in the Babylon code and uh you know in fact the uh, great we quote uh, Greg great glory and great in the in the book and he it also wonders you know, America's not mentioned, so you know, could America be destroyed in some kind of, you know, surprise nuclear attack? And, um, you know, there's, there's, there's different opinions about this, uh, but, you know, but if you read Revelation 17 and 18, uh, it, it sounds it sounds like sort of like a description of America, and it talks about it's destroyed in one hour by fire That the merchants of the world who grew rich off, off her you know, great luxuries and wealth will sit on their ships and mourn and watch her burn, you know, so it's uh, you know, it's there, not definitive that that's America, but uh, it could be. And uh, the Old Testament talks about the daughter of Babylon, and uh, so there's all these references that may refer to to America in the end times. And you know, nobody knows for sure. But uh, you know, so you know, God us extra time to fulfill the Great Commission. So it's incumbent upon us to you know to do to do our part. You know, to follow God's leading on our lives and and uh, get get involved. And, and you know, pray for our president. Pray for our
1: country. Yeah, and to just say it succinctly, I would add, "To occupy until the Lord returns." Troy Anderson, co-author of Trump Apocalypse with Paul McGuire. Man, thank you so much. You can get the book at Amazon.com. Anywhere you go to get your books, uh, Barnes and Noble. And I can't recommend enough that you pick up a copy and get reading. Let's occupy until the Lord comes. All right, we're out of time for today. Stacy on the right on Urban Family Talk and American Family Radio. For Stacy, I'm Nikki. God bless.